This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This is the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, one to preserve this sport for our kids. Bringing the stories of the normal guy on small parcels and how he gets it done. Are you just a weekend warrior? You stuck with limited time to hunt and limited time to prep just like us? Are you trying to figure out how to hunt with kids, work, and families? Then this is a podcast for you. Welcome to Whitetail Legacy episode 15. We are live up here at Nowhere Bar and Grill. Um, we uh, we got one thing we want to say right off the bat. We have invested some money into this. We got new mics, got soundboard. We got what's the thing called audio recorder to take phone calls. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. uh, we're going big. We got guys come want to come on from Texas, uh, Florida, Louisiana. So we're gonna get some different people on here, and uh, I'm gonna learn a lot because I know nothing about hunting in Texas or nothing. I want to learn about pigs. I want to learn. I want to definitely get some people on from out west. Learn learn about you know mule deer because every time we talk about it, we're like I know nothing. <laughs> I know I, I wanted to learn learn a little bit about some pigs. So I like to get after them within the next like five years. Yeah, I know. If you guys want to come see us today, well, you won't you won't know you won't see this hear this for a couple of days. <laughs> but, so uh, we're up in nowhere. If if you follow our Facebook, you'll see that. Um, if you hear some background noise, I mean, it's it's just part of being mobile. Uh, we're up here just trying to get our name out. Let people see us, uh, interact with some people, and see if they want to come on the podcast. And, you know, we got our deer mounts up here, and uh, we're going to be telling our stories to them, and they're going to be telling our stories to us, and then maybe we'll line them up on, and do a full episode with them. Yeah, that's what this podcast is about, just telling normal guys' stories. So, like I said, we're live, any background noise, but we're going to kick right into a show, and we're going to start out with uh, Ingram's Outdoor Obsession. I got Homeboy back. I'm going to do a... Uh, Facebook live video of that and he he crushed it dude Th- he he's even got the steam on his lower mouth I mean he's it's awesome so the detail on the steam is is cool yeah it's, it's really good super cool uh, he he killed the mount um and then I actually got the skull plate of my deer I killed this year back and then I 
I'm doing a full sneak on it. I don't have a full sneak yet, so I'm pretty pumped. And he showed me we kind of put placed it up there how it would set last night. And well, your deer from 2015. I mean, that's uh, I don't know what what mount you got there, but he's sticking pretty far off the wall. Yeah. yeah. And then I mean, you're gonna Sit put my a sneak. Yeah. 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 There you go. And then you're gonna do a full sneak. I mean, yeah. that thing's gonna be sticking out. Yeah, it's gonna be sweet. So we uh, we appreciate you, Chris, for the the sponsor and for doing an incredible job. And I'll tell you what, this guy. So I shot this deer in 2016, right? And yeah. and he didn't he wasn't a sponsor of us then. But the guy, you know, most taxidermists you put a deposit down. The guy is such a nice guy and such a cool guy. He just said your deposit's good enough and I walked out the door with paying that. So, if that doesn't say anything about the guy's character, I mean, I don't know what does. So, he definitely he definitely has a passion for doing what he's doing. Yeah. And I mean, his, the, the detail that he incorporates into his mounts. I mean, just like the steam on the on the whiskers there. Like, I've never seen anybody do that. Yeah. And then I, uh, he's going to be at Elmwood Outdoor Show with us. And uh, I seen his setup last night, and it is sweet. It's way better than ours. <laughs> <laughs> I said, like, we got 30 bucks in it. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we, uh, we're going to kick it to Homie to do the VIP veteran broadhead shout-out. All right, guys, this week we're shouting out the owner and creator of the veteran broadhead, Matt Futer. He was active duty in the Navy, multiple deployments from 1980 to 1987, then as a civilian from 2012 to 2013, FOBs in the Frontenac and Pasab in the southern region of Afghanistan, and he was embedded one year there with both the 101st and 82nd Airborne. Matt also acquired some nuclear power schooling as well as electronics while in the Navy. And then he was a crew chief on the Shadow Drone and the platforms of Afghanistan. So, guy's yeah, this, done a lot. This guy's been around. And that makes sense to me now. When you see the engineering that's in this broadhead, you understand how he made it and why he's so passionate about being 100% American-made product no matter what. So, uh, yeah, that was my phone in the background if you guys heard <laughs> that. We're, we're just getting set up here. We want to do kind of a pre-roll show for you guys. Um, we got a couple guys lined up to come on. Uh, some pretty sweet stories that are going to be told today, and uh, we hope you guys like it. So we're, uh, we're going to take a brief pause, and we'll get back to you in a short while. Did you just say we were back up, up here at Nowhere again? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So we're up here. There's 200-inch deer on the wall. Yeah, there's two 200-inch deer, and we got we got a bunch of 140s, 150s over here rocking. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting dwarfed over here on the backside, but, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll post some pictures of the bucks on the wall here. They got a, a locked-up set that's – so, and one's the, a giant the guy mounted them locked up and the the antlers in the other deer's jaw and that's how he found them so that's how he mounted it so we'll get some pictures up on our social media and let you guys see that stuff all right guys we're gonna take a break and uh when we come back on here we're gonna be we're gonna have a guest and he's gonna be telling his story all right guys here we are back at nowhere we are got some some hella background noise right now. <laughs> so hopefully got hopefully we are coming through clear. There's quite a few people up here. Um, I'm number one on the jerky right now. They put me in number one because they know I'm going to be number one. So. I was say, you think that means something? Yeah. A little hidden message? <laughs> probably because I was the first person to hear that put it in. <laughs> that probably don't mean nothing. But we, uh, we got our first guest on up here. Just, uh, just a normal good old country boy. Uh, a guy who we've been talking to for a while. He's also my cousin, so I kind of know his story. But he uh, <laughs> he was hunting real hard for a while and then had some family problems, had to get out of it, and now he's trying to get back into it. So he's going to tell us his first uh, deer with a bow story. And everybody loves it. I love my first deer with a bow. I mean, that's a, that's a special moment. So uh, 
His name's Dallas Caspery. We got homie, of course, on on the mic. I'm the tech guy today. It's it's yeah. been a challenge. It's been a challenge <laughs> with these new uh, mics and the soundboard and being mobile. It's been a challenge, but we're uh, we're trying to get it done. So let's just go right into your story there, Dallas. Well, it was a rainy day. Conditions were uh, really crappy. And it was cold, rainy. Uh, <coughs> uh, walked in. I think we were on the east side out there, the east parking lot. Yeah. We walked in, took a climber out. I think at that time I was shooting my PSC, Bill Madness. Yeah. And uh, I got the job done that day, obviously. But we went out, got to look it around, found a good spot on a old fire lane that they had cut. Found a good deep draw that they were coming up and crossing out of. They were kind of coming up out of a draw and going into a field. And uh, the walk in that fire lane to a field. Uh, got up, found a good tree, got in it with a climber. I don't even remember what kind of climber it was. I think it was a summit, wasn't it? Yeah. It was that aluminum summit? Yep. Yeah. That was a nice one. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I had, like, the jank $80 Walmart one. <laughs> Dallas hadn't even shot a deer yet. He's got the $300 aluminum summit. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah, she was comfortable. But uh, about hunting publicly and things come up missing, though. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we've, we've had two st- Both those climbers we were hunting out of that year got stolen from us. So. Oh, man. Even so, when we locked them up, man. Yeah, we locked them up and they both got that's terrible. Yeah. I couldn't imagine buying something like that and then just having it gone. <laughs> like, you just leave it out. You think you know you locked it up. You think it's going to be good. Next time you go out there, then you just show up. and. Funny like, story. <laughs> we, uh, we, you shot a, another deer, right? Yeah, you shot yeah, your I second shot the deer one. out there. Yeah, and then we were tracking that deer, and he lost his iPhone. <laughs> so we were like, okay, we got the deer. Now we're trying to find the iPhone, right? So, and it's snowing on the ground, and he has a white and black case. I'm like, there's no chance we're going to find this thing. So, we two go out hunting later. like two weeks later to, to go back to the same spot, and both of our stands are stolen, but we find the iPhone, and the iPhone still works. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, so, I mean, I guess we got this, the stands got stolen, but we at least got the iPhone back. So, yeah, go ahead and go into the finish your first story there. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it came up out of the draw, it stopped right in that fire lane. I was shaking like a leaf anyway. I'd never had a deer that close to me. I've shot a lot of deer with rifles at two, 300 yards in Missouri, but I never had one 10 yards from me staring me in the face. But we got a good drawback, got a good shot. It was a little button buck. I think it ran, what, like 30 yards? Yeah, it didn't go at all. But <laughs> yeah, it was like, that was like, I got a deer down. I won't need no help dragging it out. <laughs> it was about 38 pounds. <laughs> I don't know what it was. But it was a good two-mile drag. Yeah, out. it was small. But, yeah, we were way back in there. So. I was going to say, I was going to ask how far you guys were it was, from the It was line. terrible. It was raining. It was, by the time we got to the truck, we were both sobbing wet, yeah. muddy. Yeah. Cody had forgot the taco in the truck, that deer sled. We called it the taco. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had a sled that would, like, roll them up, like, rolled around it. So we called it the taco, and I forgot that in the truck. So I was like, do we walk two miles back to the truck, or do we just – just raw dog drag this thing out you know so we just drag it out one on each leg you know and we got it out of there it's a long ways back in there but that's an awesome story i mean a lot of people can relate to first deer story especially with a bow you know first bow speaking but, out of carrying out i think the first deer you shot out there you carried over your shoulders yeah yeah first deer i shot out there off the ground was carried out over my shoulder it was just a yearling doe too so a lot of small deer out yeah. there i guess you go on the public ground smart to shoot small deer because they're easier to get out so all right, guys. Thank you, Dallas, for coming on, sharing your story. Thanks we, for having uh, me, guys. We got a couple more guests coming on. Dallas is a frequent listener to the podcast, and he's set in on a couple with us. So, 
we appreciate you uh, you helping us out on the listens and, and following us. All right, you got to get out there. You got to share. Yeah. All right, guys, we'll come back at you. Brief pause. All right, guys, we're still up here at Nowhere Live. Um, we've been talking to a bunch of people up here. Uh, we got the jerky cookoff done. Got second and, place, and, baby. Yeah, we got it awarded. <laughs> Cody got second place. I got thirty dollars to buy drinks. So <laughs> gift card for thirty dollars. Gonna be a long night. Yeah. <laughs> um, we got Tony Colvin to come on. Uh, he's got a, a fishing fishing benefit to go on, and he's we, we just wanted to get him on here and tell you guys more about yeah, it. Yeah, we met so. him. This is super cool. It's in our area. It's a uh, it's something that I, I would really like to do if I can find the time. So go ahead and kick it off. You know what? How'd you how'd you end up starting this? Okay, how this thing got started was is we have a chapter run for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. the The charter run is uh, Marshall County to Peoria St. Jude run. Each one of us need to raise a thousand dollars to be able to run in this event, which is always usually the first Saturday in August. So in doing that. Um, I, I guess I got sick of going out and begging people for money, so I thought I'd have an event. The event had to fit into something that I liked, which was the outdoors. I'm an I'm a IDNR manager for uh, the Illinois Department of Natural Resources, so I thought this would be right up my alley. So I started this off. It's always the, first, or the second Sunday in July. It's a two-man buddy catfish tournament that's based out of the lake and marina, and it's $50 per team. That's here in Illinois, or Lake and Illinois, It is, right? Lake and yeah. Illinois. Um, just a little bit of a location marker. It's around 30 miles north of Peoria, and we are located right off of Route 26, and it's always right out of the marina there in Lakin. Awesome. Yep. It's so cool that you, uh, you're passionate about something. That's what we talk about on this podcast a lot. You're passionate about something, and then when people are passionate about something and then they succeed in getting something done to be able to do it, that shows a lot of the person you are, and then it shows that this you know, this is a big deal to you. you know, and, it, and I could see the amount of money you raise is, is phenomenal. I mean, It you, is, and that, that is one thing I want to say is this tournament, it took the first year we did it, I think we had 12 teams show up, which was great. We loved it. I thanked everybody. I think the last tournament I had, we had 43 teams sign up for this thing. I did well over the amount of money that's required for me to do the run. But like we always say when we fundraise, once you get to that $1,000, don't stop there. Keep going. And these guys that, that register for this tournament are unbelievable guys. You know, we do other things. We do raffles. Um, we give prizes for first, second, and third. And it's always a weight thing. You, you, that's something I should have explained too. You can each team is required to turn in at least six fish, but you can't go any more than that. And then we weigh them at two o'clock in the afternoon. We start the tournament at seven. Registration starts at six. But anyway, we uh, we weigh these fish and the, and we give out first, second, and third. I think the last two years, no one has kept any money. They turn it right back wow, into me. That's awesome. And it, it's really a cool event. So I would suggest if you like fishing on the Illinois River or anywhere else and you like catfishing and spe- specifically, look me up second Sunday in July every year, 50 bucks for two-man tournament. 
Where can and they find Where can they find it at? Or? What I usually do is I post it on my Facebook page, and then I also share it to a conservation group that does a ton of work for me through my IDNR job. It's called the Illinois River Valley Conservation Group. So I always post it on their site too. And then I'll go around to all the businesses around Lakin, Chillicothe, uh, anywhere in Marshall County basically. And I'll post the, the little flyer for the tournament. Awesome. And yeah, it's a great day. We'll make sure and get your uh, get your info on your Facebook and then we'll share it on our page. That sounds great. Thank you. There's a lot of guys you. around our local area. I mean, I love deer hunting, but I love I love ripping some lips on some catfish. I was yeah. like, we, we got to do something in the off season. There ain't much to do deer hunting in yeah, June. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're if you're still talking, I'm still talking deer hunting in June, but I'm I'm out there fishing and you know I'm, I'm you got it. If you like the outdoors, you got to find something to take your time up. But you say you do. Is it a 5K run? No. What no. it is is. Uh, I guess it was started as a Memphis to Peoria fundraiser years ago. This guy from Peoria said, let's do something to raise money for the St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. So he got a bunch of guys or a bunch of people together, and they took off from Memphis and ran to Peoria and started this telethon. Holy smokes. It's always broadcast. I think it's the first Sunday or the first Saturday, I'm sorry, in August. Um, WEEK and Peoria always broadcast the thing. I think they're up to around $10 million that they raise wow. just through this run That's and incredible. fundraising. But anyway, when he started this Memphis to Peoria run, there were a lot of people that said, I can't do that. So what else can I do? So all these little charter runs started, you know, uh, Chillicothe to Peoria. Um, I think, that, I don't know where you guys are from, but there's some, uh, some towns around here, Galesburg to Peoria. So all these little charter runs started where they didn't have to invest all that time to drive clear down to Memphis and, and run into Peoria. So, um, yeah, it's we start in Marshall County right there where I do my catfish tournament. We start there, and we run around Marshall County a little bit, and then from there we go into Peoria, and when we get into the Civic Center, that's when we present our check. Wow. Yeah. That's super cool, man. It's so cool when a lot on this people on this podcast when you can take the outdoors and make it so much bigger than just yourself you know i want to go out there and shoot 160 bucks or i want to catch the biggest catfish when you make it about other people and it seems like the more people i meet in the outdoors we're all the same we're all the same breed you know we want to help other people that's what's so cool about you know regular people in the outdoors yeah. i think that's so cool well, I, say, I love being the biggest and the best at everything i do but you know to go out and win this competition you said that you've had nobody take the money everybody just turned around and donated it back yeah. you know that really speaks to the people yeah. all that are out there fishing and in the outdoor industry you know we all like to preserve what we're doing you know we all like to try to do the right thing when we have the chance to and uh that's really cool yeah, and I, I post that every year when it's done. Is these guys? It's a diverse group of guys. You can imagine, yeah. You know, from guys who wear suit and ties to work to guys that are big old beards and you know <laughs> nice. chicken livers and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. But as a group, the most generous group of guys I've ever ran into. Because you can tell some of these guys that win the money, they could probably use it. Never, they don't think about it. They turn it back yeah. into me and. And I, I do want to say you don't have to. If you win the tournament, keep what we usually do is I'll set a, a max at like two hundred dollars for first, a hundred for second, and fifty for third. So I wanna I wanna point that out. If you wanna keep the money, by all means keep it. But 
Yeah, these guys are great and very good. We got a squirrel hunter, an epic squirrel hunter. He is wearing a squirrel hunting jersey, and we are going to try to rope him in on this podcast. He did the best squirrel call with his mouth I have ever heard. So he's legendary in Marshall County, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm gonna say we, we need Tony's help to get him yeah. on here. But Tony, okay, thank thank yeah. you so much for coming on and talking to us. We appreciate that. Uh, make sure to send us that link. We'll we'll affiliate it with our social media and let some people know. Okay, thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to get this thing out there. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. So Tony said, guys, third place you get your money back. Second place, a hundred bucks, and first place, two hundred. Um, if you're wondering, we already asked them, you know, if you only got one boat or you can only find one boat, if you got four guys, if you got more than four guys, as long as you got two guys that paid 50 bucks for a team, you're, you're a go. So don't worry about if you if you don't have three boats. Yeah, you we know, appreciate you got six you guys. buddies or three boats. We appreciate any guys that's going to take the outdoor history and turn it into a benefit for anything. So. We're going to take another brief pause and try to get this squirrel caller on here. I'm pumped about this, Dude, man. this guy is super <laughs> yeah. awesome at the squirrel call. All right, guys. Like I said, we are live at here, so there's going to be some background noise, but we'll get right back at with you. Well, guys, as we briefly talked about in our previous episode there. We got the Tony. squirrel guy on. <laughs> <laughs> Cody's fired up about the squirrel guy. We got Tony Shire on, a.k.a. the Squirrel Whisperer. Um, this guy's just been walking around nowhere today, shouting out the squirrel call. And first time off, I was like, there's, there's a, a squirrel, squirrel in here. here. <laughs> I was like, there's a legit squirrel up in here right now. So go out. He does, he does a squirrel hunt. So just go ahead go over that a little bit, Damien. And then uh, we got to get two or three good squirrel calls. Hit All us right. with one right now just to get yeah, him warmed up. Just a quick up. one. Yeah. That is unreal. <laughs> so. This guy, uh, this guy works for Cold Bush Lights. Any squirrel hunt you want to go on, he's uh, the Squirrel Whispers. Look him up. <laughs> All right. So yeah, we're uh, from the Marshall County area here in Illinois. Uh, we do a squirrel hunt every year. Uh, it's in September. We call it Squirrel Palooza. This last year was our 10 year. We usually it's two man teams. It's just a good time. Go out hunt squirrels. Come back and bullshit all day long. It's a good time to, you know. Get grounds with everybody. Check everybody's trail cameras. We get to see everybody's big bucks are going after the year that year. Um, it's like I said, it's just fun. Uh, my son and I have been doing it for ten years. My brothers and I actually came up with the idea to do this, just because when you're out in a deer stand, what's the worst thing? It's a squirrel just yeah. sitting there all day That's long. Right. Those squirrels are terrible. so. Yeah, so I've listened to the squirrels. I've mastered a few of the calls. So I, I don't know. I sound pretty good, but I think there might be guys out there that could be better. <laughs> really? Is there a squirrel call competition? Yeah. I don't know. I've never I heard think, of one I yet. I think we need to start I one. I need to get a hold of Presley's yeah. and maybe we can just start <laughs> yeah. it down there. This guy's got full squirrel uh, jersey, hunting jersey on. It's it's legit. He's got squirrel paws going up his arm. He's all in a, on the Boone and Crocker squirrels. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we need to get a picture of this shirt, put it on Facebook so you guys can see it. But. Um, what What's the best year you guys had as turnout and uh, harvest? I'll uh, see. The best year would have probably been we had uh, close to 20 teams show up, and I believe there was 96 or 98 squirrels checked in at that time. Man, that's a lot of good so, eating. Yeah. 98 squirrels, that's a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so the, the, you know, we have trophies there for first, second, and third place, and we do a payout for first, second, and third, if, depending on how many people show up. Trophies are all homemade, wood burning and, and all stuff like that. And then we have the biggest squirrel and the smallest squirrel biggest squirrel today is just shy of three pounds the smallest squirrel was 
like .37 or .35. It's, it's a tiny <laughs> Just little thing. Just weighing the BBs. That, that was a chipmunk. That was a chipmunk. <laughs> yeah, nobody don't want all those. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, that's awesome, man. We... We might we have to make we might have to make it down to the squirrel hunt and and the fish hunt. We're getting a lot. Say, of, we're gonna have to do one of them, yeah. if not both of them, because yeah. it's just such such a great deal that you guys are doing. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. cool just to hang out with guys that like to. You know, I love squirrel hunting, and a lot of people listen to this. I know they do too. If you like deer hunting or being outdoors, you're gonna get into that. Yeah. So it's just. It's just fun to, it's, to have the communion with other hunters, you know. Yep, and, yep. and squirrel hunting is like a dying breed. There isn't a lot of people that do it, yeah. but it's a lot of fun to get out there so and just and soak as, it in. As soon as they're in the deer stand October 15th, they're like, damn, I wish I went squirrel hunting in August. <laughs> yeah, you know? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then, like you said, you take your boy, and we both got boys. You know, yep, we were just talking yep. about that. You know, boys get a little older. That's a perfect thing to break a kid yep, in on, yep. you know, getting them out and hunting because they get to walk. You know, they ain't got to be quiet, yep. and they can see some action. Exactly. Yeah, but he's... Like I said, my son's been hunting with me since he was uh, probably two. Had him in the deer stand with me at two years old. Yeah, so he'd sit with me, and, and awesome. it was awesome to see him. First deer he ever shot was at eight years old with a shotgun. Wow. First turkey was at eight years old. First bow kill was at 11. Man, he's a stud. That kid's so. got me smoked. We need to have him on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he needs to, I mean, he's, yeah. he's 22 now, and he's the Was the, his he's deer really uh, in the youth season? No, the deer, the, the first one was youth season, and the second one, we actually got a, a, a double kill on his first deer. Nice. Because I was in a stand with a bow, and he was with a shotgun nice. during youth season. And it was does only, does only for him, so he come, they come in, he had nine coming to choose from, popped his off, and it dropped, and we're both, you know, shaking like a leaf in a tree because it's yeah. his first deer ever. Yeah. And, and uh, he's sitting there looking, and we had nine more standing there. So I grabbed the bow, knocked an arrow. Nice. I dropped my doe, and we're and then the whole tree shaking. He's yeah. looking at me. He's like, Dad, <laughs> I'm not cold. I was like, dude, this is awesome. This is what you want yeah, right yeah, here, buddy. That's what we're you all guys chasing. had a lot of work to drag two deer out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No we got to mention that these these guys brought a piebald squirrel and a fox with deer antlers into the mount. So <laughs> yes. they're bringing some uniqueness with them. They got unique personalities and unique mounts. So yeah. we appreciate you for coming on yep. and uh, talking to the podcast. Uh, we'd like to get your son on sometime. He seems like he's got some deer. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, well, he'd be, he can tell you a lot of stories. Yeah. But uh, so you want to squirrel out on this one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Give us a real yeah, good a little... squirrel. That's they got a great. Right you, know, you guys don't have a lot of grays probably around here, but they have that drawn out. And you got one. You know, you ever once while you get a squirrel, you might want to bark with a little nut in his mouth. Yeah, because <laughs> they don't want to spit that out. You know, yeah, they work so I've hard for that. it. But, that uh, so. That's impressive, man. I like <laughs> I'm just smiling ear to ear. <laughs> Uh, I am too because it's the first time I've ever done anything like this. But <laughs> I hope it gets out there and people, you know, start squirrel hunting and appreciate it. Yeah, man. I do have we do have the uh, Facebook too, Squirrel Palooza. There you, you go. Squirrel if you see me on Facebook, there, same thing. Yep. We'll, we'll get your link. We'll like it and then then we'll we'll post it on our page and that's cool. Good to see cool. It. So we appreciate you coming on yep. and and uh, you might. I mean, we, I wish we could just record that squirrel. We need to. We're going to record that squirrel and put it in our intro. I should be able to loop it. You're going to be yeah. in our intro yeah. from here on out right. with the we'll squirrel call. And we're back here at Whitetail Legacy. We got John PC coming on now. Uh, moving on from the old squirrel and the catfish, getting back to getting back to some good old deer hunting. Yeah, he's got some good stories. He's got a public ground hunt that didn't plan out exactly the way he wanted, and then he's he found a couple lock bucks, and then... 
this guy had an outdoor uh, TV show back in the 80s, so we're going to get some intel on that. Um, let's go Let's go right into that Lock Buck story. How did you find him, you know, what, what time of the year, and go into that? It was probably uh, middle October, uh, bow hunting uh, on private ground. I'm a member of a club called the Hook and Bullet Club. It's uh, out near Victoria, Illinois. You guys probably know where the hook and bullet is. Yeah, right here where we film, right outside town. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, it was a nice day. It was not uh, cold by no means, like, say, middle of October, so real good weather. But uh, we always take a a deer camp. We always take our campers out to this property, and uh, we stay out there for a full week. And that's all we do is, you know, build a fire at night, uh, drink beer, and and talk deer hunting. Man, and, I want to uh, go to that. I don't yeah. even have to hunt. Just let me go out there and hang out for a couple yeah. nights. Yeah. Give me a little... Uh, yeah, no, deer camp is uh, it's a lot of fun, and it's gotten real popular with the people at the Hook and Bullet Club. I used to go there all by myself and stay for three weeks at a time. Wow. And uh, yeah. But then it got, you know, people started going, hey, John's out there in his camper, and you know, in October, November, and he's hunting these deer, and he's like being successful, you know? So uh, a lot of my friends then started joining in on the fun, but... Back to the locked-up deer, uh, I got out of my stand one day. I'm walking back to uh, get on my quad and leave the woods, and I looked down in this washout, and I seen a couple racks down in there. And I was like, I thought in the beginning when I first seen them, I thought, well, somebody's poached a couple deer and thrown them down in the bottom of this ditch. So I walked down in there to, you know, obviously I'm going to drag them out of there. There were a couple nice-looking deer, and it became obvious once I got to them that they were locked up and what it what had happened was there's a fight they they got locked up and I get, I don't know how often it happens every year but I know it happens every year to uh, a, a lot, lot of big year. bucks they yeah. get locked up like that and it's a done deal yeah so I actually I found them I left them laying there and I thought I had my bow and stuff and the, the carcass was still with the the racks mm-hmm. so that I can't just drag him out of here so i went back to my camper hooked up with the people i was camping with we're sitting there having breakfast and i said hey i found something really cool you guys They're like yeah what'd you find and i said i ain't gonna tell you, you <laughs> i would have told him you just you're just gonna have come with me and help me get it and we sat there and i know there's other people out there hunting and we're sitting there and i've got eggs bacon hash browns in front of me and it's like I can't eat you guys. we got to go back to this. this. <laughs> I left my breakfast sitting there. I was so nervous. Somebody else was going to walk up and find them yeah. and drag them out of there. So we went back, and uh, that's how I went down. We grabbed them and took them back, and I called the local game warden and said, Hey, I got, I got a couple bucks locked up. I want to get the tag because I want to get them mounted. So uh, then so I got them mounted, and uh, they turned out to be a real nice, real nice mount. Yeah, the, that mount, we, we did a video of it on our Facebook and stuff because it's just so cool how they, they mounted it, but broke that jaw and that, that main beans in the jaw of that other deer. So if you guys want to see a picture of the mount video, it's it's on the Facebook feed there. It, that was That's super cool. That's something you don't see all the time and uh, real real awesome, man. I would love yeah. to find those. It's, it's bad to find them. I mean, probably a 140 and a... 160s or 170 high 160s 170 buck lock uh-huh. together i mean uh-huh. so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. my guess is mid 130s and mid 150s uh the one deer is just a stud yeah then i don't know what the other deer is thinking trying to fight this deer because 
Yeah. He's clearly definitely not as big as the as yeah. the big one that's locked up. When you look at the uh, when I found him, uh, then I took a lot of pictures with my camera, this angle, that angle, this angle, where the horn from the smaller deer made contact with the bigger deer, it broke the jaw and it penetrated the skin of the of the deer in its face. It actually, I think probably the little deer, if it could have got away, probably would have won that fight because the other one's jaws broke. Yeah. Right. It come in and broke its jaw, so it's done. It's not going to eat. It's it's going to starve. Yeah. You know, so bottom line, you, you go, well, wow, that bigger deer, he should have. Yeah, he should have won it. But yeah. you never know. You know, so you never like know. Guy- Little guy at the bar that gets the right angle punch on <laughs> right? you, you know, <laughs> knockout punch. But all it takes is one left hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's. <laughs> yeah. He definitely got he definitely got cold cocked on that one. Right. So that's, that's an awesome mount. Yeah, incredible, I uh, incredible find, man. That's so cool. Were they were they in the water or just down in that ditch? They were just down in a ditch. Did you see a lot they, of the pictures that were in water or something? You know. But, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, probably what happened was they were up on top fighting you know trying to get away from each other and they probably both fell into this once they ended up down in the ditch they were probably so weak that there was no coming out of it you know yeah so yeah it was uh it was an extraordinary find for me i was like this is cool you know yeah, this that is, is cool. super cool so. yeah i've only heard i don't, know if, I don't know, know if i ever be able to do that again in a lifetime and a lot of a lot of deer hunters uh don't find locked up deer like that in a whole lifetime, you yeah, know. No. So it's it's a rare find. It is you know? rare. Plus, I mean, to find that quality of deer locked up too, two really yeah. nice deer locked up. That's that's just, yep. just I don't even know what to say. It's just so rare and so cool. It's like shooting a drop time buck or something, you know. It's just so cool. But yeah, yeah. I'm not sure the details on the wife's cousin's story, but I know he's got locked bucks. He shot one because it was still alive. I'm not sure if the other one was dead and it was dragging it or if it, if he had to call his dad and have his dad come out here and shoot the one because it was with a bow. So, you know, he's only got one tag. And then, you know, I had to have his dad come out and shoot the other one because so he could use his tag, you know. So yeah. I'm not sure this story, but he's remodeling his house right now, but he's going to come on and, and we're going to drill him on, on that because that's super that's cool. You super know, just cool like you said, it's just a, kind of a once-in-a-lifetime deal, you know. Mm-hmm. Once-in-a-many-lifetime mm-hmm. deal. But. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's move on. You've kind of touched basis on this this public ground hunt. I don't want you to tell the location that you you uh, seen this deer, just in case you can get out there and get after him uh, uh, next year. But we'll just let the listeners know this was on public ground that's open to hunt on the public. So go ahead and go into that story from last year. Well, it was the last day that you could uh, deer hunt on this public ground. They have certain dates, and uh, you couldn't hunt the whole season. There was just specific dates that you could hunt. So I was there the last day, and uh, it was down to the last half hour. And here comes a doe. And I'm thinking, well, okay, let's go ahead and harvest a deer. Uh, It's getting late. It's the last day. Get her done. So the doe comes through, and a good, clean, 20-yard shot. Hit her real good. She ran off. And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, there, you know, it's that time of year. There could be a buck following. So I grabbed another arrow and knocked it. I'm, uh, obviously, you're going to wait. When you shoot a deer, you're going to wait a while before you track them down. And within minutes, here comes this. Really, really nice buck. 
and he's he's coming and I'm like he's following that doe he's gonna go exactly where that doe went sure enough he's following the same trail he comes up and something stopped him I don't know what it was but he stopped between two trees with the kill zone covered by these two trees and he just stood there stood there stood there stood there so I pulled back and I thought I'm gonna lean this way or that way and try and get somewhere close to the kill zone I tried and I tried and I tried and I got so fatigued I had to let off and this deer still standing there I'm talking 15 yards 15 yards and this he's got a drop tie and he's I didn't count no points all I know is he was a big one I was just I just don't do that I don't I try and focus on other things and uh sure enough he turned around and started to go back out the other way that he came something stopped him he might have heard that other deer dying very possibly he could have heard that doe dying i don't know if, i just don't know what stopped him because all the six, conditions were right for me six cents kicked in there he's like whoa what's going on here yeah yeah something wasn't right i guess and he turned around started back the other way i'm not saying it was too dark to shoot but i'm saying it was right on the close edge. it was right on the edge it was right on the edge I took the shot, ran off, and he ran off about, I don't know, 50, 75 yards, stopped, turned around, looked, and I was like, I just missed that deer, and it was 15 yards away, and I was like, oh, my God, it had the drop, and I I called my buddy, my neighbor, I, I thought, it seems like I missed him, but I could have hit him, and I called him and said, hey, man, we got to go look for a deer. Never found any blood, never found any hair. So, and I know there's everybody's heard this deer story before. I probably hit a limb or something happened, you know. I don't know what happened. It's almost like I went into the twilight zone. (laughs) I couldn't find my arrow. There was no blood, no hair. And it just disappeared. It just went away. I put cameras out. I had five cameras out in that area for the next two weeks. Had never got a picture of that deer. So. You think he was just cruising in off some private ground or. Pardon? Do you think he was just cruising in off some private ground or do you think he he lived on that public ground? I think he lived on that ground. That ground is 2,500 acres. Yeah. And. uh, I know the ground you're talking. You can get way back in there. I hunt the same stuff. So you can get way back in there and a deer could go without being seen its whole life. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. So. My neighbor who does a lot of trapping on that ground. I go trap with him during the trapping season, yeah. and we see true mega bucks running back in the middle of this ground where bow hunting is not, uh, it, it's off limits. It's like a refuge. And uh, so we're back running traps, and I'm seeing these big bucks. I'm like, holy moly. So, I, yeah, I, I, I think there's plenty of big bucks on that oh, property. Yeah. I think I think that's how it is for most public ground. There's big deer on a lot of public ground. It's just putting in the work to find them, you know. And like you said, you're putting out trail cameras with maybe they'll get stolen, maybe not. But if you're passionate about deer hunting, that's just a risk you kind of have to take, which is sad. But there's a lot of people out there that will snag them. So. But if you put the work in, I, I mean, I shot a decent buck off public uh, five or six years ago, you know. And mm-hmm. it's doable. It's just harder, you know. And, right, right. Yeah, I mean it's you got competition, yeah. and sometimes that competition is not so much that 
somebody's hunting better than you. It's just simply the fact that somebody's hunting. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, it's not you're not key. out there by yourself. You're out there with others, and you don't know how well they're coming into the woods or leaving the woods, or or just what it is they're doing to try and keep the deer hunting. You know, uh, good keep without busting all the deer out. Less pressured as possible. Yep. Um. Uh, that's. That's exciting, though, to, to go be able to go back there next year, you know. And I bet you if you see a doe now, you're going to be like, whoa, maybe I shouldn't shoot her. You yeah, know? But yeah. That's how hunting goes. You you yeah. always think, what if, what if. But oh, yeah. That's just how it goes. I've got a lot of what ifs out there, I'll yeah. tell you right now. I've, I've <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of those out there. What's up? You, you hinted to me that you had an outdoor channel. Let's let's go just touch on that. I think that's so cool. It was back in the 80s, right? Yeah. That's, I, you know, when... I, I, I grew up in the 90s, but when I watched outdoor television back then, it was so much cooler. It wasn't as good quality, but there, I think it was just because there was less guys, and it was more real. They weren't trying to sell product. They weren't trying to do stuff like that. They were just try, trying to film deer because they liked hunting, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Yeah. And, and yeah. now it's turned into like a big money game, but go ahead yeah. and brief us on that. Well, that's, that's the reason why uh, we decided to do this outdoor channel thing was... I knew a guy that uh, ran Channel 7 in Galesburg. It was public TV. And you could, uh, you could have your own program. If you had a basket-weaving program, you could have a basket-weaving program. And they'd televise it on Saturday morning, you know. And, and so me and a friend of mine decided to do a program called The Outdoor Guide. And the only thing we wanted to do was film a duck hunt down to the Mississippi River. We always wanted to have video. We didn't own a video camera. We didn't have any editing capabilities. So uh, uh, we uh, got the camera, went down to the river, and did our first video and took it back to the studio and edited it and uh, turned into a lot of fun. So then we did like three more programs, one on smallmouth fishing, uh, one on spring wildflowers. Uh, There was a a demonstration in uh, Dixon Mounds, Illinois, on uh, the art of throwing the atlatl. Uh, and uh, yeah so we did these few programs and just simply because we wanted to get documentation of or film of one of our hunts yeah that's cool so and you, so you yeah we had we had a lot of fun with it they let you use their camera gear and stuff if, yeah. as long as you yeah. make products so that's cool yeah. so you they guys, let you use their camera yeah. and their studio if you would agree to put your what you videoed on their program that's cool because and I we mean, did it for for a guy to get into hardcore filming now the camera prices and the setups are just ridiculous pricing you know yeah I've let me tell you at, rookie filming yeah is cashy yeah yeah rookie even i rookie can't imagine filming. can't imagine trying to go out there and be legit right off the get-go yeah it'd be just insane it would be just insane so but uh if uh let's go into this if you if you could tell one deer story your your favorite deer hunt that you've ever been on, whether it's a forked horn or a doe or a giant, you know, let, let's just hear that story. Well, like, you know, if, uh, th- there's a few of them, I guess, that stand out pretty good for me. Um, uh, Best thing about this podcast is is we can do whatever we want, so you can tell two or three stories if you want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Line them up. Uh, <laughs> one in particular, uh, I was rattling. And... Uh, Oh, I noticed the buck one. come up to a, out of a creek bottom, standing clear across his field. It had to have been a thousand yards across, wow. and I seen him come up and he's looking. So I cracked the horns again. Here he comes, 
dead march across the field. And I'm like, hey, he looks like a shooter buck. He's a decent buck, you know. He was no monarch or nothing like that. He come all the way across the field, got to a few trees that are right ahead of me, came through the trees, came all the way in, came all the way in, 15 yards. And uh, I shot him. I, I bow hunt only. I don't hunt with a gun. And so all my deer experiences have been with a bow. But uh, I shot him and dropped him in his tracks. I mean, he just dropped like I spined him, but it didn't spine him. I hit him right behind the shoulder, and it just dropped him right there. I had a video camera with me, so I grabbed my camera real quick and started filming this deer. Like, what in the hell? I've never seen nothing like that before. It just, boom, fell down and did like this. <laughs> Must have shot him with a VIP. <laughs> what, could, what could I have? Uh, well, and I'll tell you what I was shooting. I went from the Thunderhead fixed broadhead to the Spitfire, yeah. National Archery Products, and uh, the Mechanical. And I swear by I've, I, You know, you guys got a broadhead going on here, but this, uh, that Spitfire, to me, has been a very productive broadhead. Very. Yeah, that's and what it, I say. We, we, we rep the veteran, but if you find something that you like and works for you, just stick with that until you have a problem. That's like the, the veteran. I've had it for a couple of years, and it has worked multiple times. Mm-hmm. So, you know, until this broadhead fails me, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not not ever going to change it. Just like yeah. you, the Spitfire is it, you know, and this one's it for me. But I know there's a lot of guys, hardcore fixed blade guys, because that's what they use, and that's what they love. So right. yeah. it's good It's good to be passionate about anything, any yeah. product that's, yeah. that's outdoor-related. So I well, You know, that. I thought yeah. – Go ahead. I will say that I, I did shoot the Spitfires for a year, year and a half, uh-huh. and uh, I shot a couple of deer, and I did not have very much luck with them. Ain't that something? Yep. That's something. Then the next guy will say, I shot muzzies for a couple of years, yeah. and then I just didn't have luck with them. Yeah. It's amazing how yes. all of us can choose the product that seems to work for us, and it, it's just the way it goes down. Yeah, I've had is. luck with those, and... But I'm going to get a package of those. Try them out. And I'll give, we'll do another podcast, and I'll give you a report. There you, there you go. go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, see, I used to shoot the Wasp jackhammers, and then uh, they weren't available in my local local store, you know, out here at Farm King. And then the next closest thing was the Spitfires. Uh-huh. They were similar. So I tried those for a year and shot a couple of deer, and I lost them. And, you know, didn't have good blood trails, and I knew I hit them good. And it, it just didn't turn out. And then I finally was just all of a sudden it dawned on me, well, hey, why don't you go online and order them, order the, the Wasp jackhammers that you want. So I did that at the beginning of 2017. And, you know, it, then I missed one deer. Well, I didn't miss. I hit this deer. And the deer is 16 yards. Brand new Hoyt Carbon Defiant. Why am I not getting a pass through? I don't know why. And then, you know, after that, I was I was like, you know, I just don't know what's going on. I don't know why I'm not getting pass-throughs. You should be able to get a pass-through on that, I think. So, you know, Cody tried – Cody was, you know, we're at work talking, and I, you know, I'm telling him all about my hunt because that's what Cody and I do. You know, we listen to podcasts, we go hunting, and we tell each other what the hell we're doing. And uh, he said, dude, try out these broadheads. I mean, I'm not saying the next time I went hunting, but the next deer I shot at, 23 yards, same bow, 
pass through, mm-hmm. and boom, dead. That's the greatest thing. It's there's so much, there's so much out there to choose from. You can flip flop until you find something that works for you. And then, like I said, once you find what works for you, just stick to that because. Like I said, there's sometimes there's almost too much options out there, you know, because you can get overwhelmed on choices. Yeah. Um, I tried to put this whole broadhead thing into perspective. And uh, and even the bows, you know, the new bows. Uh, back in the day, you know, the, the first compound bows, you pull them back, and it's like, holy moly, you know. Yeah. And and then the let off was, what, 40% on some um, 50%? <laughs> right? yeah. and. And but they everything has gotten so much better. But on the broadhead thing, I finally decided uh, uh, that you know back in the day, the Indians used to shoot their deer with flint. Yeah, they napped their own broadheads, and if you get a good hit in the right spot, yeah, you could kill them with a piece it. of stone. Yeah, you know what I mean. And now they're making these arrow grade. Stainless steel, high carbon, blah 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 yeah. blah, and there you could fly these to the moon. <laughs> and you know they yeah, used to kill deer with, with flint. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So the whole broadhead thing is, hey, yeah. hit them good. I don't care what you got on there. Yeah. If it's a if it's a new broadhead, yeah. hit them good. It's a, it's history. Yeah, Shot placement. I mean that that is key. That is key. You know, but. I do believe some broadheads do perform better than others, you know. With, I mean, but it just seems like, you know, most people are fixed and they believe in fixed or you're a mechanical guy and that's what you believe in. Yeah. It's just, you know, kind of what you start out on and kind of what your buddy or what you. your dad shoots, you yeah, know. And then, yeah. But let's, after the, the broadheads is such a controversial topic. It we is. can talk like two hours, but let's get yeah. back to the buck story about you rattled in a buck. Let's get back to that story. Let's. Let's finish hearing that. So Yeah, well, you know, and I just thought, how is it that you can shoot a deer behind the shoulder like that and not watch it run off? You know, what was it that took that deer down right there in its tracks? And I, so that, to me, that hunt was kind of special. And that happened to me one other time on a doe. I hit a doe straight on and just dropped. Yeah. Like it was hit with a shotgun or something like yeah. that. But... Uh, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I just thought, I just of all those hunts that stand out, you you wonder, you know, if you spine a deer, they'll just you'll just drop them right yeah. there, you know, and, and uh, then you got to put another arm or do whatever you got to do to, you know, to finish them off. But uh, this was not a spine shot, you know. It was uh, I put the put the shot right where I wanted, and just dropped him dead right. The, and I've got the video. You guys ought to see it. It's, yeah. And I'm talking on the video. I'm going, I can't believe this. I can't believe it. And, and the deer just dropped. like. So, and that was with the old Spitfire. And it was probably after that that I said, Spitfires are for me. Yeah. You, you know, well, I get that kind of performance. Yeah. I'm going to keep shooting yeah. those. You know? I drop every deer with a broadhead that yeah. I believe in. Yeah. I can guarantee yeah. I'm going to rep it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, my, first, uh, my first buck that I killed, I had it mounted. But it was uh, in a little timber just outside of Galesburg, Illinois, on uh, private ground. And I shot it almost straight down it, it early, early, earlier in the morning. It was the first buck I ever shot. And all I could, I seen a deer coming down the hill. Couldn't tell how big a buck it was, but it walked right underneath of me. And I shot straight down and hit it. Now, there's one where you 
would think there's a potential to get a spine shot. Yeah. But it ran off. Went back hour later, tried to find blood, no blood, no blood, no blood. I'm thinking, I've just lost my first buck that I've ever shot. Looked and looked and looked. And uh, finally found a couple specks of blood. Uh, my partner that was with me found a couple specks of blood. As a matter of fact, that partner that was with me was one of the guys that did an outdoor guide program with me on crappie fishing. And uh, he said, John, I got some blood over here. And went over and found it and then looked another hour before we found more blood. And, and then when we found that blood, it just started increasing, 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 increasing. And what it was was it was coughing blood. I'm pretty sure that I hit it high. It went into the lungs. It wasn't bleeding out where the arrow went in, but its lungs were filling up, so it's coughing. Yeah. And it's coughing blood and and then it just turned into uh, very easy, very easy to track. Then, yeah. and that was my first buck ever killed, and awesome. I didn't think I was ever going to find it. Yeah, it was like we looked and looked and looked and looked. <laughs> I was so dejected, and all it took was those first two specks of blood, and I'm like, oh, get on the right path. And yeah, go for it. so that, that's pretty unusual. You know, the the farther you track a deer, the more blood you find. Usually, it's like the farther you go with a bow shot. The less blood, you know, you mm-hmm. start out, you start out with a pretty good clot, you know, right. and then it just kind of next thing you know, you're about a, you know, a quarter or a half mile, and then you're just finding pin drops on yeah. leaves, you know, but that, that's cool to hear. I've you never know. shot a deer straight up and down like that, but I would see if you didn't get a pass through, there would be pretty much no blood, but he'd just be filling up in his body cavity. You know, the deer is going to die, so you <laughs> did the right thing by sticking it out, you know, and yeah, and and trying to, and that's that's so devastating when you shoot a deer. And then you're like, oh, there's going to be good blood. And you look for blood, and you're like, nothing. And you're like, okay. Then you just start doing – I just start doing that circle, you know. Every 30 yards, start doing the circle wider and wider. And then when you find that first blood, you're like, okay, I can see a little hope, you know. And then you start tracking it. But that's that's always a really eerie feeling to to, but to go from no blood, you know, and right yeah. after a shot. Right, right. Were you able to follow, like – the ruffled leaves or did it leave on a trail or how did you just continue looking for that blood finally got on a trail but the trail was spattered with blood we started out you always kind of start out looking down what you feel would be their escape route yeah they've all got trails where they're gonna use you know and uh none of that was working out so we was just fanned out just doing the 30 yard circle like you were saying Mm -hmm. Circle, circle, circle. Uh, so, no, there wasn't uh, leaves or we weren't able to, you know, uh, Actually use that as where a... Actually the deer went. Yeah. Uh, finally, I guess once we found good blood, uh, then it, it ended up being on a trail. And you could, you could distinctly see the deer trail. Yeah. And then it was just, it was... Piece from then on, it was a piece of cake. Yeah, yeah, it was a piece of cake. I kind of knew then that it was going to be... Kind of sounds like my first bow kill with a buck. Yeah. The, yeah? We So, Nowhere had a wild game feed, and you brought up some wild wild boar uh, meatballs. Uh-huh. They were killer. I've, I've never had wild boar like that, so <laughs> you do quite a bit of wild boar hunting? No. Uh, my son-in-law, uh, they like to, every year they like to go down to... Uh, Missouri and go hunt pigs. Yeah. They all hunt with guns. He says, let's go. And I'm like, okay, under one condition, I'm shooting mine with a bow. 
I'm not gun hunting. Hell yeah. And he's like, he's like, okay, John, it, all expenses paid, you know. So uh, we went down there, and that's how I shot him, was just went to a, a place in Missouri, High Fence, you know. Yeah. They got elk in there, and they got all this stuff, you know. Yeah, went down there and, and all this exotic pig, stuff. And so I... I shot the pig. It that was, was fun. Good eating. That I was mean, fun. It was pretty good. Good eating. eating. Yeah, good it eating. was really good. Yeah. I liked yeah. it. So, e- even a guy that I shotgun hunt with, uh, he comes out and he hunts pigs. He's been down to Florida, Georgia, Texas, Arkansas, Missouri. He says the best place to hunt pigs is Arkansas or Missouri because they still get that grain diet. It's mm. not just like all the sage or. Yeah, whatever the hell they eat. Better. Yeah, whatever the hell they eat in Florida, I don't know. They're eating, down there eating oranges. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. But he said, you know, a place place to get a good eating hog is Missouri or Arkansas. Mm. Um, just just for like you know mm-hmm. when you, when you cut them out. Is that well, now some of these places with the high fence. They also have feeders out there. <laughs> <laughs> They're feeding them good there. So, you're getting hog. You're getting yeah, corn-fed wild pig. <laughs> but uh, might actually be yeah, able to get some bacon off that that hog. Yeah. Right, right. No, a lot of these high fence places, they'll you know they'll have a place where they can go eat. Yeah. And the hunters, they don't want to work at it. Some of these guys got more money than they know what to do with, and all they want to do is go harvest a pig or an elk or. So you go to these high fence places. It's not like you're going to work very hard at it. Yeah. You know so, what I mean? So have you seen some giant elk? You seen I, some big elk? You see them. I've, I've never shot one. and, and uh, I, I shot one deer in a high fence, and I told my son-in-law, I said, no, nah, nah, I'm not doing this no more. Yeah. But it was like I had to look. I had to put that in perspective also. They, they put out the corn and the apples and the blah, 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 and they got clients coming in, and they're – you can get 250-inch deer at this place, 300 inches, but they're, it's, this is in Wisconsin. And, uh, uh, but they, they manipulate the, uh, the gene pool. They, they, they raise these huge deer. But um, as far as the food goes, it's, I, I didn't see it any, that much different than us putting a food plot out in the middle of our timber. Yeah. You're bringing the deer to you, mm-hmm. and that's what they're doing there. You know, they they don't have clover fields or corn fields up there. They got, you pines. know, they're all pine trees. <laughs> so in the middle of the pine trees, they'll go put in the, what their version of is a food plot. They, they put the food there where yeah. we plant the food. We're actually putting the food there. That's what a food plot is, you yeah. know. So, uh, but it wasn't like I hunted this, this one buck that I killed on this high fence property it wasn't like somebody let it up with a halter. These deer are wild. They see, they smell, they hear just like any wild deer. And it was uh, it was another one of those deals where it was the last day, the last hour when this deer came in. And the guy goes, that's one you probably want to shoot right there. You know? Nice. And, How uh, many acres was that high fence? There's 2,500 at least. Wow. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, it's hard to pinpoint any deer on 2,500 acres. Because, I mean, I'm sure they get a little bit nocturnal. When they have hunting pressure, just like any any deer does. Yeah. So I bet you, I mean, I've never hunted high fence, but I bet you it's still challenging if you go on a big place like that, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. You hear that story over the fall with the with the 13-year-old girl who shot an elk? Yeah. Down there in Missouri? Yeah, she thought it was a deer. She thought it was a deer. <laughs> <laughs> um, they called the game warden. They did the right thing. But Yeah, they did the right thing. They immediately called the game warden, you know, left it lay. They didn't even touch it. You know, she, she uh. shot this elk. 
and she called her dad immediately, said, hey, I shot a deer. Dad a big comes one. over. Yeah, a big one. <laughs> big one, yeah. Calls the dad and comes over, and the dad's like, oh, boy, this is not a deer. You know, and then his first call is right to the game warden, and, uh, you know, last I heard, you know, the game warden come out and checked it out and said, well, you did mess up, you know, but she had all her hunter qualifications, you know, and yeah, whatever she Yeah, they did everything right. She just was a new hunter and messed up. Yeah, and, you yeah. know, no action was taken yeah. against her because she – she and her father did the right thing, which is which is good to see. So, and they got some really good farm-raised elk meat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say, and and the funny thing about it is, you know, the game warden called the local farms where they're raising elk and asked if anybody had an escape, and nobody, nobody claimed, Ooh. nobody claimed an escaped elk. So, they don't know where it came from or where it originated from. But this 13-year-old girl shot a huge elk. <laughs> Well, John, I appreciate you coming on. You did an awesome job. You got anything else to ask him there, homie? I don't think so. Yeah. You well, listen, it. hey, you guys, you, <laughs> you guys doing a fantastic job too. This is pretty cool uh, to get, you know, the local hunters and and uh, get their stories. And uh, uh, I'm glad you guys are doing this. It's a lot yeah, of fun. It is a lot of fun. I would say a lot of people that we ask to come on here, you know, first knee-jerk reaction, like, oh, well, hell, I don't even know what a podcast is. And then we're just like, hey, just come on, you know, try it out. And then we'll do an episode with them. And then after they're done, they're like, dude, that was pretty fun. Yeah, they're like, you want me to come back? Sure, right. Dude, I can come back in three weeks. Yeah, it always works with my coolers full, too. You know what? I didn't know what a podcast was either. And I still don't know what a podcast is. (laughs) That's perfect. Well, thank you, John. Appreciate your time. No problem. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you listening. We're going to wrap this episode up. Um, we got a lot of people wanting to come on up here at Nowhere. So our next episode is going to be live at Nowhere also for next week. Uh, same thing we always say. We got those same listeners that keep rocking and rolling for us. We love you guys. You guys are the best. Um, we, uh, when we get back in the studio, we got, we got some announcements we want to put out to you. We're going we're gonna to do a... Basically, uh, you know, we guys, we guys want you to put out for us because we're putting out for you. Everybody loves a good put out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I know on our last episode we we mentioned we were we we're going to be putting it up on YouTube. Uh, we didn't we didn't put these episodes up on YouTube because we thought the quality was going to be bad. Uh, you know, we got to have the phone kind of a distance from us, and then with all the background noise that you guys might have heard here, uh, we figured that that would have been. Not not the quality that we want to put out up there. So um, if you're looking for these up there, they're, they're not going to be there. And, uh, you know, if you're listening to us to this point, we do appreciate that, like Cody said. And, uh, you know, you got one more episode to uh, to trudge through with, with the background noise. Uh, we, we don't know exactly to what extent, but we're going to listen to it. And, you know, the we're way we send it. Yeah, the way we do it, we just send it. So. Yeah. We appreciate it, guys. All right, guys. I, well, I think we should cut our outro out, and I think you should just say your thing right now. What do you believe in? What do I believe in? Your plan, your hunt, hunt your plan. Yeah, I believe in planning your hunt and hunting your plan. And I believe in always having fun. All right, c- keep clicking that play button. I just stole homie's line. Whitetail <laughs> legacy out. <laughs>